Our world loves conflict. Our world loves um, combatants, and and that's how it's that's how it works. And if you are a man or a woman of peace in the middle of a world that is brewed in conflict, you are going to stick out like a sore thumb, and people will not understand you and what drives you. Here it comes, friend. Good evening, and welcome to A Word with God. I'm Stan Starkey, your host this evening. We normally have John McKenzie with us, but tonight John's on holidays, and he will be joining us again next week. This week we have our producer, engineer, Rebecca with us. Good evening, Rebecca. Good evening, Stan. And you just love doing this, don't you? This is your most favorite thing to do is be on the radio. Sure it is. (laughs) I have a very reluctant co-host this evening. And uh, Rebecca looks after many of the technical things at our church and with the radio program, and you really would have nothing to listen to if it were not for her. So, Rebecca, this was recorded, this is Romans chapter 12 in this series called I Am Not Ashamed of the Gospel, and uh, it was recorded first at Stainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do you think of Stainer? I love Stainer. It's a lot of fun. It's... Great relaxation and good messages. We have it's a great family camp, and every couple of years we get to go up there. We brought our worship team with us this year, and we did two series. One that we're going to do after Romans, uh, which is Ruth, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy Ruth when we get into it uh, tonight. Though we're on the final home leg stretch of working through the book of Romans. Romans has started off with all of these. Uh, commands and precepts and and here's how to get to know God as John has usually talked to us we have found there's this three-legged stool that Paul works from and that is out of Deuteronomy and out of Isaiah and from those two he interacts with those scriptures and we have Romans and uh, one of the key theological passages uh, in the New Testament And so we've gone through, here's what God has to say, and now we're in this section that talks about how do we then live it out. And this is all about loving other people. This is about uh, giving uh, way so that the gospel can have full impact. And uh, tonight we're going to be working through the second half of chapter 12. Uh, This is in a three-part message, and this is the first part. So I hope you're ready to go. And uh, have your radios turned on and are ready to listen to what God has for us this evening.
You need to uh, be praying for our team that we don't get sick. We've been sharing water all around, and it's like nobody's, like, is that yours? No. Do you backwash? No, I don't backwash. Good, because you don't know whose water you're. So we need to get those black markers and put, although my granddaughter, Livy, she said, Daddy, they're, or Grandpa, they're, my mommy says they're all family germs, and it's okay to share family germs, and it's okay. So I, I, I guess we're family. <laughs> okay. I'll uh, open your Bibles to Romans, and we're going to be in the last half of chapter 12, starting at uh, verses 9 and going to 21 today. Yesterday we talked about being a living sacrifice. Someone said the only problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps crawling off the altar. And uh, I, I hope, though that is true to some extent, that that doesn't characterize who you are that you're one who puts your life on the altar daily, moment by moment. We ended up yesterday looking at, um, if you're a follower of Jesus, two things. You are to serve in the body, and primarily that's how you begin to worship God. That's the beginning point. That's where it all flows from. And if you are trying to serve in the body and you haven't put who you are on the altar and given in yourself as a sacrifice. A sacrifice is still. A sacrifice gives up its life to the one whom it's being sacrificed to. We, we like to think that we can be a sacrifice and still call the shots. Uh, I've had a number of businesses, and it's amazing the number of people who come in and try and tell a guy how to run his business. Sometimes it's helpful. Other times, not so much. And I, those of you who are in business are kind of smiling, going, yep, been there, done that. God is the owner. You are being sacrificed to him. He gets to call the shots. And that's a hard place to, um, to get used to. If you serve God as an act of giving... It's not for what you get. Some of you have to get this idea, okay, I've got these crowns, these crown things, and, and I've got these treasures in heaven, and I'm kind of storing them up, and, and I'm going to serve God. What happens to the crowns and all the treasures? Put it at the feet of Jesus. Okay, it's not for what I get. Thirdly, there's no such thing as salvation without transformation. We talked about that. Fourthly, serving begins with a choice. You choose to enter in a transformation. Remember, that's in the middle voice. You are part of that transformation. He is the power. He is the one who will lead you. He is the one who will take you there. But it comes with a decision. Fifthly, be obedient to serve the body with the gifts that God's given you. Not serving, in fact, is sin. That's something I don't think we really have nailed down in our, in our culture that we're in. That we're so autonomous and we're so used to being told, you get to call the shots. You get to choose. This is your deal, your thing. And, and, and that is counter-kingdom. We have this thing in, dem- in democracy. Who is it that said democracy is the worst form of government other than every other form of government? Churchill? Is that Churchill? I thought it might be. We're so used to 
democratic thinking, that kingdom thinking, is just counterintuitive to that. You and I are not, we, though we are Canadians, we are really not Canadians. We're citizens of a different kingdom. In another land, but we're citizens of the king. And finally, not knowing your gifts, what they are, is not an excuse to sit out. Begin with what you know. Begin with where you are. And so that's kind of where we ended yesterday. And uh, we talked about different gifts, confronters, caretakers, comforters. You can see Rachel if you're throwing up, not me. Conveners, confirm. You know, although, I mean, I, can, I could go with George. He's working on a urinal, I think. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. But people throwing up, it's just something different about that. I, I can work with pigs. And pig, had, we had a pig farm, and, uh, and uh, we had, I mean, I can do those things. But there's something about somebody throwing up that just, get Rachel, she'll comfort you. Um, anyway, uh, caretakers, comforters, conveners, confirmers, conduits, companions. Where do you fit? So that's where we ended up and we're moving forward from there. Father, thank you for this moment this morning. Thank you for this beautiful, what looks like it's going to be a rainy day. My mother, grandmother used to call God's wash day. Father, I love your wash days. The rain and the breeze, the sound of wind through trees and the droplets of water dripping off of leaves and the fresh smell. What a tonic to life. What a beauty around us in a world that does not have a lot of beauty left. We are destroying the beauty and we're destroying our lives and busyness and And yet you call us to rest and come apart. Thank you for Jesus' example of taking whole evenings, whole days, wandering into the wilderness to be with you and talk to you. We barely can set the remote control down and take ten minutes. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. As he came into the upper room and breathed a new kind of life in the first disciples. And in truth, you are here today and you have fallen upon all of those who have confessed the name of Jesus, turned from their sins, and given their hearts and lives to you. Thank you for these moments where we can crawl up onto our Father's lap and we can hear your word and we can be changed. Thank you for not leaving us alone but speaking to our hearts, for bringing us into fellowship with you and one another. This is a great place, it's a place with history. We thank you for all that has gone on before here, for lives converted and hearts changed, decisions made to serve you, men and women being called into ministry, called into missions. In this place, in this sacred and holy ground, you have moved and worked in times past, and you have drawn us 
into our kingdom lives and we remember the days when. Father, we see pictures of this place filled to overflowing out into the trees behind us. And we pray, Father, for a moving of Your Spirit here as of old, that You would begin to draw families here in the summer, that You would use this place in power and might to call forth Your people, to call them forth to service, to call them forth to holiness, to call them forth to the power of the Gospel, that lives would be changed. And so we pray Your blessing on this place. And we thank You for all the prayers that have gone up from here that have made a way and make it possible for us to enter into Your presence today. We will be careful not to squander what has been given us in this time, in this place, and in our relationship with You. And we call on the company of the Holy to utter their Amen to this. Amen. Hi, I'm Stan, your teacher at A Word with God. I hope you've been enjoying our series in the book of Romans. And if it's kind of piqued your interest about becoming a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just interested in checking out church another time, uh, we would invite you to join us at Evangel Community Church in Kitchener, Ontario. John, why don't you tell folks how to find us? Yeah, we're at uh, 112 Spadina Road West here in Kitchener. And we have two services on Sunday, one at 9 and one at 11.15. Love to see you come out for that. This morning, we're talking about living in peace. I've been doing ministry for 40 years next year. Not always full-time, not always paid, but in my first Sunday school class, I was 16, and I had grade six boys, and I think that was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. And my wife, who wasn't my wife, and we hung around these boys, and we spent time with them, and took them tobogganing, and worked our way into their hearts and lives, and... uh, But in 40 years of ministry, I have seen too much bloodshed. And the bloodshed is not by the enemy's hands, though I believe it's in his design. It comes from one another beating each other up in the church. And if you are a living sacrifice today, and you are in the body, and you are serving, there's a high degree of probability that you're going to be in situations that are not going to be pleasant. And it's going to be insight. And it's nothing like, you know, it's nothing like family pain. You know what I mean? Sons and daughters and grandchildren who struggle, and there's nothing that touches our hearts that creates an ache, and yet there's a greater family in the church. And I can think of our Heavenly Father in His heart as His children chew each other up and spit them out. And so let's look at the Word this morning and ask uh, Him to uh, show us some things. Put down here, living in peace is hard. Living for God will create tension. It will. People will, there's tension there because if you're living for God and those who aren't, that's going to create a a tension that uh, that it's going to follow you around. 
The second thing is that our world runs on conflict. Our world loves conflict. Our lo- world loves um, combatants, and 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 that's how it's that's how it works. And if you are a man or a woman of peace in the middle of a world that is brewed in conflict, you are going to stick out like a sore thumb and people will not understand you and what drives you. The third thing is that most devastating conflict is at home. And like I said, in the church home, nothing touches your your pastor, your elders, like conflict in the body. Nothing is as gut-wrenching to them. There's not always the question of the person who's walking out the door in a snip, but how many people are going to follow them. And what kind of poison is that going to put into other people's lives? Fourthly, church is a mess. The church is this flock of sheep and they're moving from barn to barn. It used to be that you went to a church and unless you moved for work, unless I mean something horrific happened, I mean you were there. And you invested your life and you sowed your life and your children and your grandchildren's life. And um, now we have this this great Music, I mean, you all saw the musical chair things last night. John, you gotta be a little more gentle up there. Like winning, okay. Winning is good, but, but you, you, you can't put physical harm on people, alright? But, I mean, that's, hmm? I was being you were being gentle, okay. We're gonna talk about people like, like that in a few minutes. Just listen up. We'll kinda, you nudge him, Josh, when he needs to listen to the message, okay? Um, we have musical chairs going on in our churches. And um, we have a barnfuls of biting and bitten and bleeding sheep. Sheep are nasty little things. Um, I've been bitten by sheep. I've been butted by sheep, um, physically and metaphorically. And uh, so those are some things to be thinking over this morning as we look at the Word. Pursue peace with fellow believers is the first section, and let's break that down a little bit. The first thing we see is pursue love at all costs. It costs everything to put the other person first. It really does. It costs all. It costs a lot. Let love, let goodwill, let benevolence, let brotherly kindness be without. And three things here: be without hypocrisy. Be sincere. You ever met a guy who? isn't sincere. We had a couple of salesmen like that. In fact, we were buying a house once and, uh, and he was not very sincere and he tried, to, you know, he tried to get on my wife's good side and eventually at one point when we were looking, this house had, it was in Orwell and there was not a square, Ivan, you and I couldn't even straighten this thing out. It was, it was like in every, they put a marble here and it would kind of go and, and so she's going like that, but look at this. And, look at, and he says, says, now, now, little lady, just go into the kitchen and look at the cupboards. That's what concerns you. And he, he turned to me. To, and I went, you lost it right there. Bad move. I know my wife. We're out of here right now. Um, be sincere. Love that's feigned. Love that's 
fake isn't love. And you will be soon found out. Secondly, abhor what is evil. Have a horror. I mean, it's, it's like, okay, like liver. Do you, are you a liver lover? Oh, man, ungodly. Do you like liver? Okay, this is a godly woman right here. Do not, I mean, you can, you can take liver and you can take as much milk and bread and as many things with it as you want, but it is still liver. It is still ungodly. Okay, abhor. You bring a plate of liver out. I mean, we were over at Torpakai's yesterday. This was amazing. I don't know if you guys do liver, but I'm so glad you didn't feed me liver. But it was amazing. She made these little these dough daubs with meat and onion and garlic and 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 kind of lentils and sauce and and and, and it's like she kept shoving them down my throat and she forced me to eat 22 of these things. Okay, she had my arm behind my back. Um, I mean, I mean, Lori was putting them in her purse while we, she wasn't looking. And, and it's, it's, like, it's like, but abhor what is evil. I mean, I love that. I did not abhor that. I love that. Liver, I abhor. Be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling. That's our word to cleave again. Cement yourself. Glue yourself to what is good, to what's honorable. I love you. I know I'm supposed to forgive you. But doesn't figure into the equation. Well, Rebecca, this loving thing is really hard. And like you're married and you mm-hmm. have four kids. I do. And do you find loving something that is difficult in your household? It's it can be hard at times. And how old are your kids? 15, 14, 11, and 10. You know, Irma Bombeck once said that teenagers, once they hit 12 years old, you should put them in a barrel (laughs) and leave kind of like a little hole so they can breathe and you can put food into them. And then once they hit 16, you want to put a cork in that hole. (laughs) And and then when they come out at about 20, they're back to the nice, sweet, lovable 12-year-olds that you put into the barrel now that was done very much tongue-in-cheek but it can be hard to be loving as a parent in kind of all the chaos of a kid's life and kids lives even the best of kids have a pretty chaotic life when they're Mm -hmm. a teenager Um, what are the what are some of the things that keep you on track and help you to remember to love when it would be really easy and I'm sure you don't do it perfectly I'm sure there are times that you have unloving responses, but what helps keep you on track? Um, having good examples in my life mm-hmm. to look up to, yeah. to minister into my life mm-hmm. and into my children's lives, um, and just a partnership with my husband. Yeah. It's, I, I can't imagine doing it alone, and uh, uh, many people who are doing it alone, they are raising kids, and they're having to kind of take both parts, whether that's being father and mother, or mother and father, and uh, being subdivided, and I can't imagine just the energy that that takes, mm-hmm. and and how how much you would lack energy by the end of the day, and so... Um, we are going to be looking in the next few weeks, this whole idea of serving. Serving isn't just in the church. We serve in our families, and we serve in our homes. We serve in our communities, and we serve in the church. And one of the points that was brought out in this week's message is that to not serve in the body, 
to have been given gifts by the Lord, to have been given um, these natural talents and abilities and the things that we've learned and to hold them, kind of like that scripture verse that talks about having a light, hiding it under a bushel, to have a gift and to hide it under a bushel is, uh, is something that's sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, God has given us so many things, so many people in our church, and uh, you work in the technical end. And I mean, how many people do you work with? How varied are they? I mean, is there only, is there a certain techie type, or who helps you? Um, well, I have probably ten people mm-hmm. within our tech at church, and some are very technical mm-hmm. and can help with setup and understanding the system, and others are very young inexperienced people just learning, just starting off that mm-hmm. need a lot of coaching and guidance, mm-hmm. but in time. Now, we don't throw somebody in the first day in front of a, you know, a 30-channel board and, and no. recording, and, and it, we start them in a small area. Mm-hmm. And uh, is that kind of how you do things at home with your kids, too? Because, I mean, they serve in that. Do you give them small? Or, like, do you start them off with, like, cleaning the whole house? Or, or how does it work for you no, guys? No, we, we just one chore per child and uh we work with them and we take it a day at a time and some are better than others at certain ones and we just take it as it comes so do they always get their chores done no never <laughs> never do never they always get... do they always get their chores done but okay. they do their best yeah and that's kind of like it is serving in the church i mean we're we never hit it perfectly i mean there's some sunday mornings where a lot of planning i figure about a hundred hours goes into a sunday morning and some Sunday mornings, if everything goes off without a hitch and you think, this is perfect, this is amazing, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then the next Sunday morning, as much work, as much effort went in, and it's like everything seemed to fall apart. Um, but the thing is, is that if we have people who are willing to enter in, willing to spend their lives, and God takes it and he uses it, he uses the messes, he uses the good things. He uses the stuff that is more difficult, and he uses it for his glory and uh, to bring his church forward. Well, I think uh, that'll be it for this evening. Uh, We welcome you to come back next week. Next week, we have our regular co-host, John McKenzie, with us, and uh, we'll welcome him back. And Rebecca will be glad to be done her stint as our our, uh, spare on-air host. You did a great job, Rebecca. Thank you. And uh, it's great to have you with us. And so as we turn back to go through our week and to enter in, take what God has given you tonight and bring it into your life. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. Here it comes, brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will Challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life.